Well, uh, it's Kira Kelly with me, the Right Hook Health Checkup. I haven't done it in weeks. Uh, Kira, I have to tell you, the hook health is quite good, actually. You look in rude, well, rude health would be true of you, George, obviously, but uh, you do look in rude health. Rude is normally yeah, the Rude phrase. being the actual important word All there. Right, now there's some interesting ones coming up here. Um, Seamus is 30. His partner says, I kick and thrash a lot during the night and sometimes sound like I'm not breathing. Is that the clue? If he's not breathing, he, the question that, that, that Seamus asked there is, is, could I have sleep apnea? And if he's not breathing and stopping breathing during the night, then yes, particularly if he's overweight, even at 30, he could have a degree of sleep apnea. The kicking and the thrashing around... I suppose that could be in response, the body's response to not breathing or alternatively he could be having some kind of dreams, some kind of anxiety but dreams. But don't we all kick and thrash around? I don't no? think I do. I think I, because I seem to wake up in the same position I fall asleep in so I don't think I kick and thrash right. around. But some people do and it could be to do with the dreams or indeed if you are struggling to breathe you might thrash around a little bit. All so right. Seamus maybe wants to go and talk to his doctor. You can get sleep studies done. Yeah, but, you, but, but why did it take you doctors two and a half thousand years to <laughs> discover sleep apnea? Like if you said to somebody 30 years ago, I have sleep apnea, they'd be looking at you. But surely 30 years ago, people did stop breathing as well and their wife suddenly panicked. They, they did. Sleep apnea, I'm sure, is as old, as old as we are, George. Although 30 years ago, people were less likely to be obese. So there was probably less of it. But but sleep apnea is a condition, in case anyone's listening in and doesn't know, whereby um, during the night, usually to do with your, your soft palate and, and sort of your, your gullet um, being heavy and closing your airway, you, you stop breathing temporarily. And people tend to snore with this condition, but not always, but they do. And then they tend to do a big and they kind of stop breathing and then do a big gasping snore. And but wait, a pal of mine has it and he goes to bed with a face mask yeah. and all that sort they, of stuff. They go to bed with, with pressurised oxygen to keep their, their, right. their oxygen levels up. Sleep apnea must be having a disastrous effect on the romantic affairs of, of many then. Snoring has an effect on the romantic affairs right, of people. But you couldn't go to bed. Like, how could you be sort of romantically inclined towards a fella in a face mask? Ah, well, I presume the face mask would only be slipped on afterwards. So why do you ask me these terrible questions? I come in going to be all professional and upstanding and then you ask me these kind of things. Um, The one thing about sleep apnea, one of the the big symptoms though is not just the snoring and the stopping sleeping, it's daytime somnolence. If you're somebody who's fallen asleep and doesn't know why during the day, dropping off, driving the car or whatever, go and talk to your doctor about the possibility. Yeah, because that's one of the big symptoms. But what, now you have a three-year-old here, continually scratching face. Yeah. Now somebody is a parent is saying worried parent is saying, well, I mean, the child is blotches and ruining skin and all that sort of stuff. You can't. That's not. He mentions the parent does. We're trying to talk or train him out of it. I you know I wouldn't be yeah, no no you wouldn't talk or train him out of it. He's got a dry skin condition. He's got red blotches and rashes on his face, so he has dermatitis and he's scratching it. And he's three, and um, that needs to be treated. Unfortunately, these parents who are obviously very well intended are putting things like pseudo cream on it, which is no use whatsoever in this instance. Oh, I know what you're going to put on it. Well, I am. <laughs> 
that? Do you want to tell the listeners? If you're going to put more topical uh, steroidal cream, like, have you got anything else in your medical bag other than Nothing else is required, George. No, I'm only joking. Here's what he does. Stop using soap or any of those baby products uh, that have, um, I'm going to have to name them, like Johnson's and Johnson's and all. Stop using those. They're not suitable for children with eczema, okay? You wash your skin, the baby skin, the, the toddler skin, with something that is suitable and there is a, lots of those E45 typey things. Or you can use plain old Silcox base which is as cheap as chips and comes in a white tub. You use those things as a soap substitute and you use emollients yeah. which are moisturisers. And if that's not enough then you use topical steroids. But, think, but maintenance yeah. is more important. The problem here is the parents seem to think that this... It's a bad habit. It's a bad habit. No, it's not. Of course it's not a bad... Well, I mean, I shouldn't say of course, but but you, 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 you've arrived with a much more likely solution, which is there's a reason for the child scratching his face. Yeah, eczema on the face is very common in this age group. We sometimes refer to it as lick eczema because children still at this age group tend to sometimes use soothers and stuff like that. And they're also messy eaters, so they're kind of a bit dribbly. Um, and their skin becomes chapped and dry and dermatitis takes hold. I tell you, I love the next one. I have to tell you, I love it. Now, this fella is 41, right? Mm. But then goes on to say, non-smoker, light drinker, pescatarian, which means he eats fish. Yeah, uh, and no meat. Yeah, low gluten diet, hemochromatosis, gene, normal ferritin levels, not any medication, extremely dry mouth at night. Do we need to know all the earlier stuff to work out why you dry mouth or not? Probably not. Probably not. I Um, mean, eating fish isn't going to give him a dry mouth. No, no. I think what this lad is saying to us is I'm super healthy, he's saying. That's what he's saying. He's saying I'm eating fish. I don't, you know, I light drinker. I don't smoke. I'm I'm going great guns at this. Um, The chances are he is mouth breathing at night that's one of the commonest cause for having a very dry mouth when you wake up in the morning or he is dehydrated although I suspect from the care he's taking of the rest of his diet and life he's probably drinking adequate water so it's probably to do with mouth breathing He's a bit of a health fanatic He I might. He, I think he's somebody who's focused on his health yes um, but I would suggest he's probably not dehydrated so therefore he's mouth breathing lots of people mouth breathe for a variety of reasons, one of the big things, well, reasons people are mouth breathing currently at this time of the year is allergic rhinitis. The pollen season is upon us. We're all coughing and sneezing and spluttering and nasal congestion and sinus congestion. And um, what you might want to do for that is take an antihistamine because we're all kind of allergic to the polleny stuff. Um, or you might want to use a nasal spray, which, by the way, is also a topical steroid. But you might want to spray that up your nose too to decongest your nasal passages. And that should help you to breathe again through your nose at night. And you will miraculously wake up in the morning without a dry mouth. All right. Also, sleeping on your side means you're more likely to sleep with your mouth uh, closed than if you sleep on your back. But you don't know whether you're on your back or so when you're asleep. Well, I was going to discuss dreams with you. I had some fantastic. I don't dreams. think we should discuss that on no, air. No, really interesting ones. And like, I was struggling to find out why am I you having need a program after nine? Is why what you am need? I no? Like, I one of them was I was on the late late show with a fella, and he could they they you somebody used to put all these kind of buttons out in front of him, all different kind of buttons. And then he'd take them away, and then your man could remember every one of the 54 buttons. You know, he told Coat there buttons, was, like oh, Well, I didn't know. Buttons. It was a tricky kind of dream. But I was wondering why the hell was I dreaming about late, late on my holidays as if I don't have enough worries. Anyway, 
what about this dame? She's 42. She's only five foot two. She's a slip of a thing at eight stone. She has a sharpish pain every now and again in her big toe. And then she says, not a major deal. Well, if it's not a major deal, stop worrying about it. Well, I think she's saying I'm only... 42 and I'm not overweight why would I be having any kind of skeletal problems um, but the reality but she's of it been is... wearing crap shoes since she was nine. Oh, that's a terrible scurrilous thing to say about this except lovely true. this lovely lady except true um, you women wear appalling shoes and therefore in the in search of sort of what's the word I'm looking for uh, aesthetics uh, that's too fine a word to use. But that kind of stuff, you wear shoes that are bad for your feet. So therefore, when you're 42, your big toe, which has been carrying all the pressure, suddenly feeling a bit of pain. Well, Give me a break here. I would, Well, just to get back to our listener who's taken the trouble <laughs> to contact the show for proper advice and not abuse, um, I would say this. Look, if you have some disc disease in your lower back, then unfortunately, despite the fact that you're young and despite the fact that you um, aren't overweight, is you seem to be a little bit prone to degenerative change, which, for want of a better word, is arthritis. Because, because she has problems. Now, to be fair, I left this bit out. She has degenerative yeah, exactly. uh, discs. So she has degenerative discs despite her youth and despite her weight being a normal weight. Um, I would suggest that she's just unlucky this is a touch of arthritis. People often get arthritis or could be gout but no. not in this kind of picture not um, in her big toe and I would say that probably is the start maybe of a bunion or something like that which women are prone to. Because it is. Sometimes it is to do with the shoes but it's also familial. It's also familial, Women George. should wear flat shoes. Yeah, you love that. No, I don't. Well, exactly. <laughs> Eh. Oh, I was looking at a picture while I was on. I don't think I want to hear this either. No, but again, the shoes the the woman was wearing, the model type person, right, Right. on on television. Yes. You would never wear them in kind of real life. So therefore, isn't it kind of bad to be having pictures of women? Well, of course. And then other women are looking at that. In these spindly eight-inch heels which can't walk I should be wearing them. Well, exactly. Exactly. I wore my daughter. We were I have going, very sensible shoes on. My today. daughter was going to a dinner, like kind of family thing, but she'd parked the car a mile away and we had to walk the rest of the I was with her. I don't know how she made it. Those shoes are referred to by women as car to bar shoes. You can't walk anywhere and you have to be dropped at the door of wherever you're going. Oh, I couldn't believe the thing she was in. Anyway, why am I worried about this? H or T? Yes. Something, something terrible. Hormone replacement therapy, yes. Now, this woman sensibly says, I should, should I go to my gynecologist rather than my GP? Because she's on something called Prempac C. It's not soothing or massive um, weight gain. No, so I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't bother to go to a gynae for this. This is, very, this is very much GP's bread and butter. HRT is a little bit, a bit like the pill, is a bit of trial and error. Some hormonal combinations will suit one woman and some will suit... And you can get different ones. Oh yeah, there's tons of them. And, and for women who are listening is, there is both sequential and then there is continuous HRT. So there are some women who get periods on their HRT and there are some women who have no periods on their HRT. So you have to be on the right one and then depending on which type you're on, you have to be on the right brand and within that type, which will have slightly different hormonal combinations. So you go Some, to GP and say, give and me a, a few options. There's a bit of trial and error. This one doesn't suit you, you try the next right. one. And in fact, in many ways, the menopause is what puts weight on you rather than HRT, although I'm not outruling the possibility that the Prempaxi isn't suiting her. But she needs to go and try something else. And don't be throwing, if you're a public patient, you'll wait forever to see a gynecologist. And if you're a private patient, you don't need to spend the big money for this. This is something that's very simple. 
You're actually suggesting going to the GP is cheap. Oh, um, well, a lot cheaper than going to see a private gynecologist. Is it? Oh, God, yeah. Well, a GP is about 50 quid and a, a private gynecologist could be 150, 200. So I think, I think you get bang for your buck from general practitioners, to be honest. All right, okay. What about the person? Because I don't know, male or female. In a warm room, I feel faint and sick. Any ideas? Don't we all? No? I think this is a great question because I like when we're turning into super sleuths here on the Right Hook Health Check. I think that what's happening with this person is that they have low blood pressure. Okay. Um, I All on the basis of a warm room and they feel faint. Yes, and because what happens in a warm room is elementary, my dear Watson. Elementary, my dear Hook. Um, in the warm room, your peripheral blood vessels open. Okay, because that's what happens in, in the presence of heat and your blood pressure falls. If you're already somebody who suffers from low blood pressure, your blood pressure falls to levels that make you feel dizzy and nauseated and faint. That's what this is. This is a person with low blood pressure. They need to make sure they have adequate volume of fluid on board because your low blood pressure is supported um, by, by drinking fluids. And sometimes they need to make sure that they have maybe, a, you know, a boiled sweet for a bit of sugar in their bag if they're feeling faint. And they might be somebody who wants to put a bit of salt on their dinner. I would suggest they go off and have their blood pressure checked by a GP, both sitting and standing. Cause that's, and put salt in your dinner. That's very diagnostic, George. If we take your blood pressure sitting... And then we make you stand up quickly and take it again. And it's lower on standing than it is on sitting. We know you have orthostatic hypotension, which is that your blood pressure falls when you don't want it to. And I think that's what's going on here. That's extraordinary. It's an amazing what we yeah, can do. That's worth And a remove that's on news talk. Quid. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. It really now, is. Mukesh is in Canberra, but he has a feeling when he eats nuts, he gets an allergy on his hands and feet. How can I find out whether I have an allergy to nuts? Now, tons of people are suddenly discovering they have an allergy to nuts. Nuts are one of the foods, not unlike um, shellfish or egg, or there's a couple of other things that tend to, to bring on food allergies. But nuts are certainly one of the, the, the food types that people are prone to being allergic to. How do you find it out? You go to your GP and you get what's called an IgE blood test, which is a RAST blood test, where they actually see by testing your blood... Don't go to people, please, who wave crystals over your arm and tell you you're allergic to everything. Go and get a blood test that actually tests your blood for, for nut allergy. And you should probably have a, a, a test done for peanut specifically and for mixed nut allergy. Yeah, because there's a huge industry oh, yeah. out there now which sort of says, and then you come back and they sort of say, oh yeah, you're you're allergic to milk and, you know, you're the, allergic. Some people, again, dairy, some people are lactose No, intolerant. no, but yes. do you know what I yeah. mean? Oh, there's there a is. whole industry if out there. If you've been diagnosed with a food allergy by somebody who waved a crystal over your arm, you know nothing about whether you're allergic to it or not because that is not diagnostic. And crystal waivers will all be texting in now saying, we're great, but actually, no, that's not true. Right. Listen, sweating in bed, right? Yeah. Somebody where where are we going here, George? But somebody sweats profusely in bed, but it smells like vinegar and it's repulsive. And they're not overweight. Some people do sweat more than others. Isn't the fact of life? Some people do. They suffer from a now condition called hyperhidrosis. And you're totally opposed to, uh, uh, um, uh, what do you may call it? Deodorants. You're opposed to deodorants. You sort of say, you, you're a firm believer in sort of God's smell, that you should smell the way you are. You told me all you have to do, you said it to me one week, you said all you have to do is have a shower and you'll be all right, George. Yes, 
I'm not opposed to deodorants in principle, George, or whatever you just said. Okay, this is the person they're sweating very much in bed. What you should do is this. And some uh, some people's body odour is different than others. And some people do have a slightly vinegary smell. I think what they should do is this is they should wash and they may need to shower twice a day, maybe before they go to bed. They need to have a, a lighter tog duvet. Do you know what I mean by that, George? Some duvets are very heavy and they would... Um, predispose you to sweating. Some people sweat, and we don't. Do we know what gender this person is? No, we don't. No. Um, some people sweat around the time of the menopause very profusely in bed at night. So if it's a woman, it could be a menopausal symptom. And um, I would suggest a shower. I would suggest um, a light tog duvet in bed at night, and maybe not having your house too warm. And that would be all. And I would suggest the use of deodorants believe it or not and so and you can put on deodorant before you go to bed at night um and some of well, the, how, how does he know like nobody can smell themselves that's not true people can smell themselves can you yeah some people can um but I would suggest also that you the, know there was always a thing in Ireland that if a fight, well certainly in Cork if a person was like very snobby and slightly above their station the average Cork person would say if they went to the toilet they thought it didn't smell do you know what I mean I do, I do. But I've heard is, that expression it's yeah, not just Cork right but it is true though is it not that you do not tend to 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 smell your own defectation if that Defecation? Defecation. 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 Yeah. Um, all true. <laughs> no, and you don't have to be snobby about it. It's um, just I a think fact. people can smell that. But what, what I was going to say to you is like like every other smell is when you are first exposed to a smell, you can you can smell it. And then so your so your own body, you're used to that smell. It yeah. gets harder to smell. If you walk into a room, you can smell it when you first walk in if there's a bad smell. But when you're in the room for a while, you can't smell it anymore. Do you yeah, know that right. sensation? So that's why people can't smell themselves. But they can actually smell themselves right. if it's a new smell. So this person is, is releasing a vinegary because thing. Because I have been worried about body odour I know, you've said that. But it's true though. Just come I think, so. I know this is a serious question. Right? Because you can't dismiss No, no, but I want to just come back to the question in hand. There are deodorants that are available from the pharmacies that aren't just your over-the-counter thing you buy in a supermarket that are higher um, antiperspirant levels than you would buy in a supermarket. Consult your pharmacist. Exactly. There are, and they do exist. And there's actually... um, You get um, ones for dogs. Yeah, and some people people actually get Botox injected into their armpits for this, for hyperhidrosis. And some people actually end up going on a medication to stop hyperhidrosis as well. So there are things that can be done. But the first thing to do is shower before bed, use a deodorant, light tog duvet, and don't worry too much about it. Shower twice a day. Do you know what haliotosis is? I, I do. Bad breath, yes? yes, I do. The greatest film star of all time, Clark Gable, had the worst breath imaginable. I don't know how the women kissed him. But anyway, here's my point. How, I am always terrified about that. I've been that, That's been a worry of mine since I was a bit the child kind of thing. Yeah. Nobody tells you. Nobody actually says, I mean, I'm serious now. Like, nobody actually says to come here. Like, would you have a shower or would you clean your teeth or whatever? Yeah, and, and that's, that's part of So how do you know? Well, I think a loved one should say it to you if you have a problem because I think it's an act of kindness. Would like your I wife would, tell you? I then? would always say to somebody if I was in the in the, the bathroom with them and you see somebody and they have their skirt tucked into their underwear or they've got toilet paper stuck to their shoe or whatever. You know, I think there's an act of kindness to say to somebody, listen, you've got something going on. So I think it's very difficult to say to a random stranger, you smell, so I don't think you should do that. But maybe a loved one would... Um, just to reassure you, George, I've spent a lot of time in your company and, and our microphones aren't very far from each other. You don't have bad breath. All right. Here is a really worrying one. They want a child. 
second child and they can't have it and the wife has taken it really badly. <clears throat> yeah, I, I'm reading this and it says they've been trying for the last year and they're struggling. The, my wife's been to the GP lots of times. We've not been offered any real help. We're in our late 30s. This would be our second child. My wife is taking it hard and is a bit depressed. Um, here's the thing. We don't know why this couple shouldn't be able to have a child because if you've had a child already, the hardest part about fertility is getting pregnant. There are a lot of people who struggle to get pregnant. Once we know you can get pregnant, well, that means everything more or less works. As to why they're not getting pregnant at the moment, I'm not sure. There are tests that can be done, hormonal studies, ultrasounds, semen analysis, all that kind of stuff can be done. If at this point, though, you've been trying for over a year, I would be requesting a referral to a fertility clinic. But I would imagine all is not lost here by any means, by any means, because you've already had a child. So so we exactly. know that you can do this. That, uh, yes, that was the so point. So I'd I take was heart from that. Yeah, but some people, some people can literally sort of have a look at their partner and the next minute she's pregnant. Yes, yeah, true. And other people have to work incredibly hard yeah, at it. Yeah, true too. Now, what, what the lovely Ingrid got me onto was like, it, it, because she's a scientist and because she's... Are you all, going to talk about running around the garden? Well, not quite that. But there, but there are issues about the time of the month that there you are. actually there have are. relations yep. with your partner. Yep. There, there are all these kind of things. And... I mean, I'm sure these people have done all this, but if you have difficulty, the only point to make in is it's like if you have difficulty with anything in your life, you suddenly have to focus and say, what do we do yeah. about this? Yeah. But sometimes then, because you know, I believe in God, sometimes, like, it's not going to happen. Well, hold your horses, because this couple have not been to a fertility clinic, so they, have, they haven't gone to a specialist about this at all. Yeah. A and B is they've already got a child, so so we yeah. know that functionally both of That's their right. reproductive so systems just, are working. Yeah, so you have to you have to try and focus on. Yeah, like, I would and, suggest getting yeah. a referral at this point. Um, yeah. and you're right. Uh, the the time of the month that you want to get pregnant, if you want to get pregnant, you should have you should have sex. It is two weeks before your period is due, not two weeks afterwards, because. That's not the right way to time it because of the fact that some people's cycles are different lengths. So two weeks before you think your period is due, that's when you're at your most fertile as a woman. All right. Listen, this is very quick before I get killed. But this is the issue. It's again, more anxiety. Anxiety's and now this one. person is on Lexipro. It doesn't suit her. Now another brand. But the result of taking these pills is that she feels worse. So what are you going to say now? Stop the pills. No, um, what I'm going to say is, Quick, is, is okay. Move, sorry, cognitive behavioural therapy I think is very important for for yeah. this type of symptom. That's what I would really recommend in terms of therapy. I'm not suggesting anyone on the right hook health check should go on or off medication because we don't have enough information. Right. But I definitely go back and talk to your doctor about it. But it's interesting that he can't get his partner to take exercise. And, exercise and is ex- very important. Yeah, so therefore, for your mental be, health. correct, and it, it, clearly the person's self-esteem is, is low, and what I found, when my self-esteem is low, I can't take exercise, they're connected. So if if, if um, they can get out and do something, I that'd agree. be good. So look, I'm, it's great to be back on Mondays at 6 o'clock with Dr. Kira Kelly. Your thoughts and questions, the 53106, cost 30 cents, Patrick. Gagan, he, he, the history buff, is going to be in with a new series on Presidents of Ireland.